Hello, everybody. Welcome to Catfish Weekly, episode 71. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the Fishing for Freedom, uh, Bend Area Care Tournament, a few other things that are kind of going on in the past week that we've seen. Um, welcome, everybody. Hope you guys had a good week. It's been a nice nice weekend for some fishing. Hopefully you guys got out there and did some. But uh, I know that uh, Chuck... Chuck has been posting a little bit uh, on Facebook about some issues, and if you want, Chuck, you can go ahead and, and get us rolling and talk about those a little bit. Oh, I was, you know, the past few days I've been seeing, uh, I guess I got friend with a uh, with a guide that uh, he's on one of the small rivers in southeast Texas that have the large alligator gar. You know, and I, I just kept seeing pictures of, uh, you know, him pulling them up on the bank and letting them go and everything. And then, uh, you know, then I seen some pictures earlier today of some in the back of a pickup truck. It wasn't his post or anything. And these fish are 150, 200 pounds. You know, and I just didn't understand why, why people would want to keep them. You know, I've never heard anybody eating them. Um, you know, and I've seen the, uh, the, the, you know the geographic map of, you know of of where they're secluded to now. There's not very many rivers that have the real alligator gar. You know most of the ones we see are long-nosed gar and spotted gar. Uh, you know they don't have the real wide snout. You know they don't get, you know 150, 200 pounds. A lot of people confuse the long-nosed gar and say they're alligator gars. Um, you know but they're not. Um, you know, and I, I've been seeing these real alligator gars up in the back of pickup trucks, you know, seven, eight foot long. I, I don't know what they would want to do with them or anything, but it seems like to me, if I lived in an area that produced a fish like that, that would be something that I would want to go out on the weekends and with my friends and have fun, uh, you know, doing some catch and release, getting my, getting some pictures taken with them and stuff, you know, and if they're taking these large fish out, um, <coughs> You know, from what I've heard, they're not they're not big uh, <coughs> reproducers. The alligator gar aren't. They're not like the other type gar that uh, that are a dime a dozen. Um, you know, a lot of these lakes really need thinned out on these spotted gars and long nosed gars. Um, you know, and if you're out in the spring and you see them rolling in the uh, shad and see them up in the uh, flats, the shallow flats rolling and stuff right before dark you'll really see how many there is in your lakes and rivers so you know that's some of the stuff the boat the bow fishers can go out you know and, and clean up a little bit um you know if your lake needs that as a selective harvest um you know to, to weed them out a little bit but these alligator gars you know that they're, they're almost prehistoric you know and they're, they're something that need to be around for you know other generations to be able to see and enjoy um, you know, so I just thought I'd bring that up. I, and, I think uh, I've seen that picture. I mean, it looked like a giant fish, and he's got it laying almost between his legs or on his legs in the back of the truck. Yes. Yeah. Is the alligator gar, does it take them like like a blue cat? I mean, at 150, 200 pounds, are these like 30- and 40-year-old fish, or are, are they real fast growers, or do you know? Oh no, they're they're ancient fish. They are very very old fish. Yeah, and and just like with any fish, I would imagine that you know them giant fish like that. That's not even if people ate them, that's not a good eating type fish. Them smaller ones are probably going to be the ones that 
you would want to look at to eat. And being a catfish group that is very much about selective harvest and, and talking about our conservation issues, um, it's important that, you know, I guarantee there's probably organizations out there that are, are for the conservation of that alligator gar, especially if they're, you know, the, they're not great breeders like you were saying. And, you know, if we can back them up and, and help spread that word for, for them as well, that's just allies that we have helping us with catfish, you know, seeing what we've done for them, you know, they can return the favor and help us out with spreading knowledge. Yeah, these guides, they'll get out and, uh, you know, take guys out to get a fish of a lifetime. And, uh, you know, they know where these deep poles are, and they take these guys out. And they take them over to the bank, and these big old 150, 200-pound fish, and they treat them like babies. You know, they use slings, um, you know, revive them before they release them, keep them, keep them washed down with buckets of water. And uh, you know, just take really good care of them. Um, you know, I I don't know how bad that they sorely up, and if they can catch the same ones over and over. Um, a lot of these rivers do hold, um, you know, a good amount of them. I don't see any of these rivers being a real danger. A lot of places say that you know that they're scared that they're going to bite their kids and stuff, but. Some of these pictures I've seen and the videos I've seen, some of these rivers are so muddy red, uh, you know, you couldn't see your hand under the water an inch. And, you know, I don't see how anybody would be swimming or, you know, um, you know, some people may tube down those rivers and stuff. But, um, you know, most of the rivers I've seen, they were, uh, you know, really muddy type rivers and stuff. Well, one thing about that, the trophy fish, or a breeding size fish really doesn't matter if it's a catfish or an alligator gar or um, what it is. If it's a trophy fish or a breeder, it's a trophy or a breeder uh, anywhere in the world. Now, my understanding, and after we talked about that this morning, or I seen your post, um, I seen a, a picture of all the places that alligator gar used to be. And it was a lot of the southern and, and mid-United States places, and now there's just a very few select rivers that they're still on. Uh, and there's, as to my knowledge, there's no documentations of them ever attacking a person, child, or anything like that. They eat fish, they stay in those rivers, they really don't bother anything. And, and to lose a great uh, fighting fish like that... Uh, it's just unbelievable that, that people would take those out of there. And, uh, from what I gather, people do eat them, but the, the number of people that eat them is very, very low. And one of the reasons is because uh, once the water temperature gets warm, uh, the meat, uh, you can't preserve it long enough to keep it good. As, as long as you keep them cold or, or get them cut and put right in uh, on ice or something, they're okay. But the majority of people don't eat them to start with, and the ones that do, they try to keep them cooled off. And, and when you're talking about dressing a, a fish of that size, there's no way that you can get it cleaned up and get it done uh, if it has to stay cool in, in time to save it all. You just There's going to be a certain amount of waste, and that's a shame to see that happen. Yeah, you know, these guys, you know, they don't, they don't even try to get them in the boat if they're up to a certain size they'll just put a rope around their mouth kind of like the way 
you see people handle uh, alligators and they'll just get them over to the bank to a place where they can beach the boat and uh, you know just get some good pictures after the fight and you know these are really uh, pretty sharp game fish I've seen uh, some shows where they've come completely out of the water uh, you know dancing like uh, you would see sailfish or tarpon do um, you know so they're, they're really good fighters and stuff um, you know they're, they're probably just like any other large uh, catfish you know if you don't um, you know fight them right and stuff they'll probably get overstressed out um, you know and you'd want to revive them right and all that stuff but you know these guys they have them they have it down and you know that's that's kind of a uh, you know a lifestyle for them and, and a way of income and you know they hate to see these guys keeping these large fish too well, and that's sort of like the deal where Brent Riddle uh, went on a trip, and I believe you guys remember it last year when he went up to Washington and on into uh, Canada after those giant sturgeon that they have out there on the White River. And and they treat them the same way. They give them the respect that they deserve. Uh, they get out of the boat, get in the water with them, release them, make sure that they're fine and ready to go. And, and that's the way you have to treat those fish at that time. Afford to lose things like that, and generations to come will never get to see them. To me, it looks like uh, I mean, when I catch a regular gar in the river, and I've never seen an alligator gar, but a regular gar, you almost immediately know with, with that, especially if you have clickers on. If you have clickers on, it's a <laughs> and that's I'm like, that's a gar, <laughs> and I mean, you know, you're looking at maybe eight pound gars doing that. You know, I couldn't imagine the fight of a hundred and fifty pound gar. I mean, I, I would almost think you would have to be like Wicked Tuna, you know, uh, with with your your pole stuck in the boat somewhere, and you're just cranking down on a fourteen pound reel. <laughs> I mean that that to me, you know, that's a that's a an absolute, you know. A blast of a catch, and I could I could only imagine that them guys that are doing that want to preserve that for their kids to take them out and, and put them on something like that, and and really enjoy that with them, and just the way just the same way we like to go out and catch an 80, 60 pound blue or something like that. It's it's time of our lives, and and it's something that you never forget, especially if you've got a kid out there doing it, or you know even somebody that's never really fished or anything like that. But I mean th these guys. The way the way that you're saying, it, it sounds like they've adapted a lot of the uh, the Europeans' methods of of really, you know, giving that fish up on the bank and, and over to the shore and keeping it in the water and getting the pictures of it. Um, and, and if you guys have seen the European pictures, I'm sure you can tell that they definitely care about them fish the way they get them over there and nurse them, keep them in the water almost the whole time, um, get their pictures and then and get them fish back on their way they sit there and make sure they're they're ready to go they don't just toss them overboard you know get a, they get them real good and healthy and um, it sounds like uh, from what Chuck described it sounds like kind of where they're getting their what they're doing over there they're getting getting that fish over to the bank getting their pictures with it in the water and and just getting that fish good and healthy and letting it go back out yes we do that in South America on a lot of those uh, fish too uh, uh, red tail catfish and the piranhas or however you pronounce them and uh, you know them guys stand in that 
that water and no telling what is in that water. And they'll get down in there to make sure that fish is released healthy and ready to go. Yeah, the, the Trinity River in Texas, um, I think some of those rivers, they are protected. I'm not sure which ones, um, you know, and, and you can get fined for taking them out of those rivers. Some of those rivers are so narrow, you wouldn't have a problem casting a, a, a bait pole across it, um, you know, and they're probably not really deep. So, you know, it's not like those big gar are going to get, get away from you and, and do a dive in 80 foot of water or anything like that. You know, they may have some 20 and 30 foot holes, maybe some bigger in bins. But, um, you know, it, it, you know, they just can't, you know, there's just one river in the United States that's got them and, and, and they're protected. And it's probably not even the whole river that's protected. It's probably just certain areas. Um, you know, they're actually tagging these fish. They're keeping up with them. They're trying to see, um, you know how they're migrating so they're they're actually doing um, a lot of research on them now so hopefully we'll see a lot better conservation uh oh <laughs> Chuck freezing up on us did I freeze up? yep there you go you're back cloud came over yeah, hopefully, uh, you know, we'll see a lot more conservation here in the future since they're doing more tagging and, and keeping up, doing more research on the conservation on these things and all. Um, so, you know, they're actually, you know, finding people and, um, you know, for taking them out of certain rivers, maybe they'll, you know, get all these rivers protected that have them in there and have them for catch and release only. Yes. Speaking of... Uh those red tail catfish. I I don't know what it is, but man, I so want to catch one. Those are just the most beautiful catfish. I don't know what it is about them, man. They are just sexy to me. <laughs> I agree. They are absolutely beautiful, and um, they claim that they fight unbelievably strong. And I know there are bigger fish around. A, a real trophy uh, red tail is a hundred pounds or so, and uh, they're not terribly uncommon that size, but uh, I just think they're probably one of the best-looking catfish of all. I wish we could, I, you know, I know it's not native and everything, but, man, it would be lovely to have them around here and be able to catch them. Yeah, I agree. They're, just, they're outstanding. Man. You got anything else, Chuck, on your, what you're wanting to talk about or on that or? Yeah, I, I want to talk about uh, some you know local tournaments for a second. That I've been seeing where um, a lot of guys have went out of their way and organized some small events, you know, for around their areas. Um, you know that if they're doing a hundred percent payout, they're not doing it to make any money on it. They're, they're probably wanting to fish some tournaments and have fun themselves. You know, and these guys, you know go out of their way they they spend money out of their own pocket uh, advertising putting flower flyers out um, and then you know people go fish these tournaments and if the guy that organized the event ends up winning um, you know you you'll never hear the end of it you know that they they think that he did it on purpose and he's just out to take everybody's money and trying to be a crook and all um, 
you know, if, if you don't like the way it went down, you know, just don't go fish any more of them. Don't be getting on the Internet and, you know, causing scenes and, you know, calling him a crook, um, and you know, and stuff like that. That just makes everything look worse. You know, maybe, maybe you know, nobody likes to lose, um, you know, especially there's nothing worse than, than being a, a few ounces away from first place and coming in second. I'd rather come in. You know, if the money's good, second place is fine, but it just, I mean, that's just the worst hurt you can be is just being that close to winning and not winning. But, you know, these guys are getting on uh, the social sites, and they're really uh, dogging these guys that are trying to put these small little tournaments on. Um, you know, that ain't the way to do it, guys. Just, you know, it. If you see something you didn't like during those small uh, events, it may be just you know their his first time to put one on, or maybe he might do one a year. You know, send him some messages, you know, and talk it out like men, and just say, hey, um, you know, this right here didn't look cool. What do you think about doing it like this next year? I think we can get more people, and people will get more satisfied or something. Um, you know, if if, if you see the way a lot of bass anglers do it, they'll have a, a, a pro-am type tournament. Uh, when they show up at the event, a lot of times you don't even know who you're fishing with um, until you get there and you sign up. And then, you know, the you got the pro that's going to be running the boat. He usually fishes off the front. And then you got the amateur on the back. They keep their fish separate. They do two separate weigh-ins and stuff like that. You know, so, you know, there's a couple of things that I really kind of dislike is, um, you know, if some guys get a small little friendly tournament, you know, and, and a, a lot of guys are coming out and trying the catfishing thing. Um, you know, and, and as soon as you show up, first thing they want to do is start looking at the guys' boats that have already set up for catfishing. They're looking at the rod holders. Um, you know, they're looking how you got your bait tank set up, um, you know, and stuff like that. But, you know, the guys who go around and just target these small tournaments, you know, that are off winning Cabela's and Bass Pros, you know, placing in these big tournaments, but, you know, they see a small 30 and $40 tournament go down where, half of the guys don't even have rod holders and they just show up to take the you know the $300 pot you know that I could see that being wrong but um, you know because these guys are gonna say well I'm not gonna do this no more you know this guy just come and took all of our money he's been fish you know winning tournaments for 10 years you know but give these guys a chance who start in these small little local tournaments you know if everybody gets together after the tournament and say, hey, let's do another one in a couple of weeks, you know, um, it, it, everybody will have a chance to win them. You know, so when these guys go out of their way, spend a lot of money and a lot of their time to organize these tournaments, if they do end up winning, coming in first, second, or third, um, they had they probably had to work harder to get that than anybody else out there because they probably left the boat ramp later than everybody else. They probably had to show up to the boat ramp earlier. So um, the guys in y'all's areas that are putting these on, um, if everybody worked together and just get along with them, um, and 
everybody can get some nice little trails around their area, and there's no use to a lot of bickering going on because of it. Well, those, those people should be thankful that those people spend the time and effort and energy and their own money to do that. We run trails for nine years, and uh, you know, we're consistently leaving out anywhere from an hour to an hour and a half before any, after everybody else did and coming in one to two hours earlier to set up, depending on the size of the tournament and all this stuff. And sometimes we paid our entry fee and we didn't even go out. But if it was a, a big a big tournament where we had lots of entries, we didn't even leave. We'd drag our boat down there and haul it around and spend the extra gas and everything and pay the entry fee and then decide at the last minute that it was too big of a deal. We couldn't afford to be gone away from there because we had too much to do. So these guys have a lot of, of stuff that they got going on that people don't realize, and the only thing that they're worried about is, well, you know, he, he won a lift. Well, he's just like everybody else. Then people earned that, that spot, whether it was first, second, or third, or last. You know, they worked very hard to get that position, and, and you guys should just be thankful that they spend their time and effort and energy to, to put those on. Yeah, I'd, I'd say even, you know, you, you said 100% payback, even if it's 90 or 95%, that, that tip 5, 10%, that helps cover buying scales, buying buckets, um, you know, things that go along with running a tournament, getting some flyers printed up and put out in bait shops. Um, there's nothing wrong with a guy, you know, trying to, trying to break even just on, you know, holding a fun tournament with some, with some people. Uh, and I, I, I don't know anybody who would want to just host tournaments and not go out and fish them. I mean, I think Aaron Wheatley probably is, you know, pulling his hair out and just going, man, I wish I was out there. There's all, all my friends out here fishing this Monsters on the Ohio. You know, they're all probably catching 80-pound fish, and I could be out there doing it, and I'm up, I'm up here getting everybody ready. I'm sure he's busy, you know, but I, I know he wants to be out there. I mean, that's when 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 the guys don't go out there, it's very commendable, and it's very hard for them. And and realize that the guys, you know, not everybody is going to be able to do that on the bigger tournaments. Um, it, it, most of your tournament directors won't. But on smaller tournaments where you have, you know, 30, 30 boats or less, 40 boats or less, something something where you got a, a trail all the time, your your tournament directors, your your presidents of the clubs, whatever, they're they're all in catfishing to catfish, um, and and you know, if you're worried about them cheating or something, you should worry about everybody else cheating too. Anybody could do it at any point. Um, you know, and it, it, um, it, it's nothing that you should worry about. I mean, they're, they're like Chuck said, they're at a disadvantage. They're leaving later. Um, you know, really, if, if you have a tournament director that places in the money, you really should give them more props, you know. They, right. they, they work harder. Yeah, a lot of them even take theirself out of the, uh, you know, the year-end championship. Uh, they'll take theirself out of the points. Um, you know, if they if they win a little bit of a pot, they'll get it. Um, you know, but when it comes around to the end of the year for, uh, you know, anger of the year or whatever small little other um, things going on, that they'll usually take anybody that has anything to do with the tournament at all. Um, usually go ahead and take yourself out of those type of um, activities. So, uh, and there, there's a lot of tournament directors and, and people who who are running tournaments and stuff that they'll be out on the water, they'll have good fish in their live well on a tournament that they're running, 
and they'll let that fish go. They'll let their big fish go because they don't want to be in the money. They're, I know a lot of guys that are they're not going to go fish their normal spots because it's their home lake. They're not going to they're not going to weigh in the fish. They put their money in just to to be out there to fish with everybody else and throw a good tournament. And they put fish back so they don't get into the money. I know guys that do that. You know that's you know you gotta you gotta respect these guys and, and if they do it one time get in the money, just give them the props and don't don't uh, accuse them of cheating or get mad at them or start throwing a, a temper tantrum at way in. You know they got a lot of stuff to deal with and and they really worked hard to to do what they did. That, that's all I have on those issues, guys. Um, we got some people in chat. We got uh, Heath that says, um, or weigh a fish through the net. Night. What's through that? The night. Through the night. Oh, through the night. Weigh fish. Yeah, yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. They're leaving their spots. They're going back to weigh in a ramp or whatever. They're weighing fish in, uh, so that way people can, you know, make sure the fish stays alive and healthy. And then, you know, they got a, they might have a 15-minute boat ride there, um, or they got to tow a boat that might take them 45 minutes or an hour and a half out of their night. You know, they, they're definitely not at an advantage for running a tournament. They're 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 a disadvantage, and if they would happen to do good, give them the props. Justin Browning says there's some there's some that set it up in favor for them. I'm sure that's true. Um, you know, I think if if you're fishing a tournament where you've got a tournament director setting it up in favor for him, and, and it's on a consistent basis, that tournament's probably not going to grow at all. It's in, in, in matter of fact, it's going to shrink real quick. Um, people will catch on to that kind of stuff pretty quick, and um, you know, there is definitely. I'm sure it happens, but I don't. I don't think that they they last a super long time, especially if uh, People really can easily tell what that tournament director is doing. Yeah, you know, I don't either. That, that stuff like that will get around, and the first time it comes out, if you can't prove that what's right and and, and not right, the, the next thing you know that uh, everybody else, will, that nobody will show up, and he will have a crowd and, and different things. And there was a guy that used to run a bigger, one of the larger tournament deals, and that ended up that way. So. Uh, yeah, that that won't, uh, and it does. I'm sure that it does happen, but it's not going to happen long. Uh, but it, like I say, I, I know that, that that there is things that happens, but it's not going to go on for very long. And, uh, and, it, and realistically, those kind of guys are, are not good for what we're trying to accomplish in catfishing anyway. Yeah, uh, you know, some guys can actually run it. Um, so bad that it's hard to get it going again. Um, I've I've seen tournament trails start off with over 20 boats uh, on the very first event, you know, and everybody get pumped up, um, you know, and within a few events, you know, it starts dwindling down to 15, 12, 10, 8, you know, the second year it comes back out. Everybody gives them a chance again. Might start off around 15 boats, get down, and then at the end of the year, only two and three boats are showing up. Um, 
you know, when that happens, I don't know why they try to keep them going. They know they didn't run it for everybody. Um, I guess they're just trying to stick it out for their sponsors because they've, uh, you know, usually got people they got to take care of. They're getting stuff they got to give away at the tournaments, and you know, they're trying to keep keep all that hit out. But you know, after after a trail like that goes through, and it ruins the whole aspect of everything. You know, it, it, when somebody steps up and, and tries to do it right, a lot of times they think, same old, same old. I'm not going to go through this again. It's going to be exactly the same. And, uh, you know, I've seen it happen here locally where we're at, and it's a shame that, you know, I know at least 10 teams that, um, that was fishing regularly about three or four years ago that I have not seen at a tournament one time in the past two years. All right, Lyle, you got a, or, or was there anything else with you? I thought you said you were done, Chuck. Are you done? Yeah, I'm through. Okay. Yeah, Lyle, you got a, you want to talk about that fishing for freedom or, or something else? I do. We had an outstanding tournament at Quincy, Illinois, uh, Fishing for Freedom 2015. This is a <clears throat> yearly ongoing thing that they put on for uh, not only wounded warriors, but retired and present day people serving in the military. Um, we talk a lot on here about uh, Aaron and, and uh, uh, Monsters of the Ohio. This is in that level of quality of a tournament. It is run extremely well. It's very well organized. It's not for money. You don't receive any money. You don't pay any entry fee. You tell them that you are going to be there and you designate whether you're going to be fishing uh, Truman Lake or the rivers, Mississippi River. Uh, you tell them if you are going to be fishing for bass or crappie or catfish and they hook you up with a soldier or military personnel, not necessarily army, uh, of all branches, and uh, they will put a person in the boat with you, and it is the, absolutely the most fun thing you can possibly do, and, and it's a small way to give back to what these guys put out for all of us. It, it's really uh, a fun deal, and I wanted to to go over a couple of things, um, one of them being uh, what I know about who won what. Um, we took out, Cindy and I took out, last year we took out a, a gentleman by the name of Lyle Axon. He films for um, uh, Bushwhacker Outdoors. He is also uh, a military gentleman in uh, Fort Leonard Wood. Been down there for, I believe, he told me four years. So, uh, you know, he is the, the greatest guy you ever want to be in the boat with. Uh, we had a great time last year, and we decided we'd hook up again and try to film the role, um, <clears throat> the second time, and uh, a couple weeks before. And I think I mentioned this last week, but anyhow, I'll go through it again. Uh, he had a friend of his that was also a career military gentleman that uh, lost his life to cancer, and Lyle donated his uh, trip to this gentleman, Jerry McLaughlin's 16-year-old uh, daughter. So we had the privilege of taking Abby out with us in the boat, and we met up with them Saturday and took them out. And 
And I have a great friend, John Nordyke, who donated his time. Uh, he'd been on the uh, work. He'd been overseas and in Germany for a few weeks and wasn't sure he was going to be back in time to go on the Fishing for Freedom uh, deal. And he did get back in time. And he took uh, our soldier and put him in the boat with him to do the filming alongside of us. And, and he gave up fishing and taking the guy out to be with us. And I can't thank him enough for what he done. It worked out extremely well. But we took Abby out, and John had them out Saturday, and, and uh, he took them around. They caught some channel cat and, and uh, made the trip from Hannibal to Quincy and, and had a good time, and then we took them out. And uh, we didn't do any good in the tournament, but we did have Abby on a really nice, what I assume to be a flathead. It hit like a ton of bricks. It was in with live bait in front of a brush pile, and uh, she's not a very big girl, and she couldn't get the rod out of the holder, and I was sitting in the front of the boat, and by the time I got back there, he done had her under that brush pile, and uh, as I was trying to pull him out of there, there was big old chunks of brush and, and limbs coming out of that brush pile, and uh, it, it broke off, and, and uh, we didn't get the fish in the boat, but she knows exactly what them giants are like, and, and uh, had a great time with those folks, and we went through the live the, uh, they have a really tremendous weigh-in up there. They have tractor-trailer beds, and they put everybody uh, drives through with their boat, and they interview each boat. And, and uh, we presented her with the new rod, and, and uh, Rob from Whisperware donated a T-shirt to her, and she was just thrilled with that. She just thought that was the coolest thing, that these people would do things for her um, in honor of her dad. And, uh, you know, uh, Jerry, I've never met him, but, he earned everything that she received in his memory, and I hope it's. I hope we put memories with her that will last uh, throughout her life because she's an outstanding young lady. Um, one of the greats in um, in fishing and catfishing, uh, Joe Lucky and Jerry Klein, they take out guys every year, and if I'm not mistaken, they uh, won it a couple years. I know they did last year in the catfish division. They had some um, uh, trouble with, I believe Joe told me, the transmission in their bait. And uh, they were scheduled to take their soldier out that they took last time. <laughs> and with the, the vehicle problems they had, they couldn't take him out. And Mark Farrell, many of you know, one of the top tournament guys in, in our immediate area and anywhere as far as that goes, uh, stepped up and not only took his military guy out, he took Joe and Jerry's guy in the boat with him, and uh, Mark Farrell and uh, Aaron Patrick, and I don't know what his other soldier's name was, won the catfish division with 32.5 pounds and a big fish of 16.55, and they fished Pool 19 for you then to know the Mississippi River. Uh, outstanding to him to take both those guys in the boat and put them on a quality enough fish to win. I mean, Mark Farrell, my hats are off to you. I talked to Mark today. If he gets his uh, move made, he's going to be on the show with us next week, and we'll go over uh, the how he did in the tournament and all the stuff with him. Uh, he's having some computer issues tonight, but uh, we'll try to get him on next week and, and visit with him a little bit. Uh, in the catfish division, Ron King um, took uh, Brad Bays out. They had 28.9 pounds. Now, remember, these aren't giant weights, but we're in the spawn here, and to get these fish is pretty good. 
Brad Tangy and Austin Weingarner, 17.65 with a big fish of uh, 7.5. And Ron King's for big fish was 12.15. And I believe all those big fish were flatheads. Uh, Jessica and Nick Kelly took out George Campos, 15.3 um, pounds. And Shannon Davis took out Bonnie and Alicia. Zabuski, I'm guessing here, I'm not real sure I'm right on that, but they caught 14, uh, right at 14 and a half pounds. Those are your top five of the cats. I'm not going to go through the bass and the crappie divisions. Uh, I, I'd be here half the night. I don't want to take up the whole show, but uh, there there was some really good bass and crappie, and and uh, there was some uh, a lot of high-quality tournament fishermen and average everyday fishermen that do quite well in all divisions, whether it be bass, crappie, or, or catfish. Uh, I'm trying to think of the gentleman that has the uh, the outdoor show in Missouri. They was up there. They do a lot of crappie and bass fishing on their show. And it's a hunting, hunting and fishing show, and uh, they done a show with Ryan Casey here not too long ago, and they, they come up and done some filming, and they took these guys out with them. And, uh, you know, it's this has become a great, a huge thing in our area. And like I say, it does not cost an entry fee to get in the tournament. You don't win no money. They, excuse me, they give you a meal the night before and put you in contact with your warrior. And uh, I promise you, next year when it comes around, we'll be back. And anybody that has the time and ability needs to, to be involved with this. It's just way too much fun. And, and uh, it's, it's just something that we should do. We owe these people so much and to give them this little bit it is just warming to the heart and I I wouldn't miss it for the world. Yeah I'm really let down. I wanted to I wanted to do the tournament this year. Well I know Jack Knight drove over from your area a couple of years ago and his work schedule is like a lot of people's and he hasn't been back yet but you guys that live over there around Chris and stuff you can talk to Jack and, and he'll tell you uh, how much fun it is, and it is so much worth the driving. And Chris, I, I promise you, these guys will—you—you you can't believe how excited they are to get into the boat with somebody and, and be taken out and spend your time and stuff. They're just so thankful to get to go. I know that you said that like last year, the one guy had the problem with his transmission and stuff. How many of these uh, veterans don't actually get to fish because there's not enough captains? Do you know? There is a certain amount every year that don't get to go. Um, I believe, I, I don't quote me on this, but I believe there was around 200 um, people taken out this year. Uh, that would be the biggest event up there that I am aware of. Uh, these They involve motorcycle bunches from all over, and they, and they let you go out to different areas and launch your boats. And these motorcycle people... Uh, and I don't want to call them gangs because that's not right, but they're organizations of anywhere from 25 or 30 to hundreds of them escort these warriors and their boaters back to the weigh-in at the ramp. And uh, it's very impressive the way Quincy puts this on. They block off Front Street for the weigh-in. Um, you just Until you see it, you can't imagine it. And I do have some videos. As soon as we get it sorted out and I figure out how to do it, we'll get it up and uh, I'll post it for everybody to see. But 
uh, it's it's quite an impressive event, and, and you know, once you're here, you'll you'll want to come back. So there's definitely a need for captains, and, and every next year, yeah, definitely. If you can do it, um, you know, all, all you're doing is taking a guy out that wants to be out on the boat and and, and going fishing. And yep. And they, you know, they, they want to catch fish, but if they don't, they're still just as happy because they got to go for a boat ride and they got to be with somebody that that they wanted to be with anyhow, and, and it's just really cool. Absolutely. How, ma how many people was in the catfish division, Lyle? How many boats? I don't know, but a lot. Was it? Yeah, they fished all the way from Keokuk, Iowa, to Clarksville Dam, and I don't know how far that is, but you have the Keokuk Dam, uh, you have uh, Canton, Quincy, Saberton, and Cl so you got five dams of water that you can fish and there was boats in every every spot and we've seen a lot of boats we fish below the uh, Quincy Dam uh, it's not one of the places known for a lot of large fish but uh, we thought we could put her on some fish the, the thing that really was a savior for us there was a big storm moving through of course we didn't want to put this little girl in a dangerous position and not from what I was told up around Keokuk and Above Canton there, they had severe uh, lightning and 60-mile-an-hour winds and pouring rain, and uh, we didn't get into that. We had a lot of wind, but we didn't have the near the storms that they had up there, and, and I didn't want to do anything to put a young lady like that, uh, do anything to her or turn her against fishing for the rest of her life. Uh, but come to find out, she was pretty up to speed on fishing anyhow. She'd been fishing a lot. She knew a lot more about it than I was aware of. Yeah, is it, the hat you got on there, is that from this year? This is one for last year, but they had some this year also. But, uh, you know, I I wore this. Uh, I, I saved this hat throughout the year and only wore it on special occasions. And everybody's been on me about my Cardinals hat being so nasty. Uh, to replace the Cardinals hat, I couldn't think of a better uh, piece of, of, of hat wear to wear than, than fishing for freedom. John says that every warrior that asks to fish gets to fish, even if they have to double or triple up in a boat sometimes. So that's a good thing. But yeah, I mean, it still doesn't uh, negate the need for for captains to go out there and get these guys in a boat, so that way they don't have to double or triple them up. Um, you know, but it's cool that they they do everything they can to make sure that every one of them guys that's there that wants to get out gets to go out and fish. I'd imagine they might not get to go for the species that they want, but if uh, you know they want to fish, they get out. I'm sure that's all they care about too. See, I didn't realize that. That's a that's a really good thing because I know I have talked to some guys in Texas that was wanting to come up from that, and and I I don't know if they made the trip. I didn't see them if they did, but uh, I know that um, they do shut off at a certain amount if they don't have enough enough people to go. Uh, Justin Wolf informed me that. Uh, outdoors in the Heartland with Bob Richardson and Larry Woodward or the guys that was up there. Uh, I didn't get to speak with them. I had every intention of doing so. There was a lot of high-talented high uh, bass guys there. Uh, Guido Higdon was there. Uh, you know, it just don't get a whole lot tougher than guys like that when it comes to these deals. And like I say, Joe Lucky and Jerry Klein, two of the top fishermen in the area, Mark, Farrell is, I mean, if you go to the tournament and Mark Farrell's in there, you almost just need to give him the money. Uh, so, uh, 
that's that's the caliber of people that go out for this event, and it's just so worthwhile. And no, no, no stink bait in the book. I would, I wouldn't let John give us any stink bait. He took all the fishing worms and let me have those. But he he tried to share that stink bait. But yeah, I tell you, boys, the only thing that I found stink bait good for is if you got a guy in the boat with you, and you can open a can of that up and set it behind him, and he don't know it's there. And just leave it open, go to the end of the other, the other end of the boat, watch the reaction. That's that's my favorite thing to do with things. Cool. You got anything else? Well, I do have a couple other things, and, and I, I'll get run through this stuff right quick. I read an article on Facebook last week about the Missouri Department of Conservation putting on a clinic to teach people how to talk. Um, I'm absolutely in disbelief that they would do this. As hard as we push to to salvage as many uh, breeding size fish as we do and complain to those guys and the letters I wrote to them and the amount of, of um, help that I have given them to try to get rules and regulations to help them along. And boys, I know some of you are listening because I know you listen every week. For, for for us to work as hard to to help these regulations get put into effect and you've ignored the river systems and now you're trying to teach people to take more of the breeders out of the water. I'm just appalled at that. I'm extremely disappointed in you guys. And I'm not telling you that I won't help you in the future because I will. You know I will. But but I'm really, really disappointed uh, that you would pass this along. The, the trades like that should be passed down from, from generation to generations and family members to family members. Uh, there's no reason for the government or organizations like the NBC to step in there and try to teach people how to do this. Uh, I, I see no no reason for that. I'm mean, just disbelief that you guys would try to put a clinic like that on because those people are not going to try to catch eating-sized fish. They're going to try to catch the big fish and never, never throw any of the big fish back, and, and that's wrong. Do you think that, I mean, I'd be worried that there's there's more in the works. There's something there's something going on, the reason why they're trying to get these people to, you know, like they're about to try to pull the uh, Bay Area catfish thing where they're going to call these fish, uh, you know, uh, invasive species and trying to do everything they can to eliminate them. Do you think that's something that might be... I really don't, and one, and it may be something sort, you know, in that area of stuff. But I don't believe it would be invasive species stuff simply because, um, well, they're natural to do all waters in Missouri. Channel cat, flat edge, and blues. Um, they've always been here, always will be. Uh, but I, like I say, I, I'm in disbelief. I read. Uh, first was aware of that by post that Brandon put up, and and uh, I had written letters, and and usually I get responses right away. I have not had a response to this yet. Now, I don't know if they're embarrassed because of what they've done or or what, but they should be. Uh, this is, you know, like I say, and I'm not against people trot lining and jug lining and limb lining, but I don't believe that the conservation department should be teaching them how to do it. I believe that. Uh, grandfathers and fathers and uncles should take kids out and teach them how to do it and at the same time if they get a 70 pound fish or a 50 pound flathead 
can show them the right way to do it and release that fish and keep the, the two or three, four pounders, uh, the five pounders, the ten pound and under, and, and show them guys what selective harvest is about and explain to them why you need to release these breeding size fish to carry on those quality genes for the next generation and their children and grandchildren. Yeah, the, the if you look at a positive and thinking positive of, of one of the reasons why they could be doing it, and this is just me you know, thinking about it in, in the devil's advocate kind of way, um, maybe, maybe they've had a big problem with the illegal um, you know, bank lines and things like that where they're not tagged or, or they're, you know, they can't do anything about it because they're, they don't see the guys. Um, and, and, you know, somebody came in and said, you know, hey, they're doing it. It's, and it's at a level where, where it's getting to be kind of ridiculous. Maybe if we put a, a seminar together and we're t teaching them the right ways that, you know, these things will start to become a little more legal looking. They'll be tagged with names and addresses and, and, you know, we can teach them about conservation and things like that while we're at it, and, you know. Well, I hope you're correct, and I hope that is the reason for it. I've not heard that response yet, but I, I do hope you're right about that because uh, that would be the only reason I could possibly accept as, as plausible for what they've done. I mean, uh, like I say, I, I know a lot of guys at Trotline, and I, if they do it, and use selective harvest methods. I have no problem with it other than getting my prop in one once in a while or catching my fishing line and hook on one. But, uh, you know, if they would, would use the same uh, things and, and pass the regulations on the rivers like we have on Lake Ozark and Truman where you're allowed one or two fish over 34 inch and have a slot limit and release all of the, uh, uh, the fish in that slot and and uh, keep the smaller breed eating size fish and not take all the breeders out. I have no problem with that because there's, there's plenty of little fish and they're a lot better eating. I don't give a hoot what anybody says. You're, you're not going to catch a big fish and it be as good as a small fish. It's, there's no species on earth that we eat as people that is not like that and catfish are no different. Yeah. Well, you, you got something else, or you got any more on that? I don't have any more on that. I didn't know if Chuck had any input on it or not. What's that? I don't know if Chuck had any input on it or not. I don't have any more on that subject. But I do have one other thing. When we was up at the tournament over the weekend, I had, and I'm not sure if I mentioned this a week or two ago, I don't remember, but I have been checking into mounts for fishing electronics. And I had run across, I was actually looking for one of the, uh, what's the brand name I'm thinking of, boys? Ram, Ram Mount. Ram Mount. I was looking for a Ram Mount, and I run into a website for a company called Balls Out Mounting. Um, these guys are really kind of local to me. They're about 30 miles or so away from my house. And uh, I meant to get a hold of them or whatever, and nothing had ever passed well. They have a silent auction up there, and they have a live auction at this Fishing for Freedom tournament. All the proceeds go to them guys putting these tournaments on for these gentlemen and ladies. And um, there happened to be a Balls Out Mount up there. Uh, in fact, there was three of them there, and I only seen one. I bid on the one, didn't get the bid, 
and somebody didn't bid enough on the other one, and the gentleman that brought them was uh, doing something with the company, and I found out that he had it and didn't give very much for it, and he offered it to me at the price, and I wanted to tell everyone about this balls out mount. And you go on their website online and see it. This is heads and tails, the most quality mounting system for fishing electronics I have ever seen in my life. It is made out of aluminum. It is very well made. It probably weighs one to three pounds, I'm guessing. I didn't weigh it, but it has knurled bolts, as you see here, with holes in them where you can put a screwdriver or something in them. They are extremely tight. You can't loosen them up. This is the only one that loosens up by hand. It is indexed, so you can change the mounting on them and get any angle on them you want. And you tighten that back down by hand. Quality products right here. That is as quality a piece as I have ever seen. If you're looking for a mount. Now, I have nothing to do with these folks other than tell you about them. But that is the neatest mount for electronics I have ever seen. Take a look at their website. Uh, whether they like them or not, uh, or like you or not, then they need to, uh, you need to tell them that you like their stuff. It, it's really, really a well-built product. Um, I, I don't remember now. It was a little pricey, but if you only have to buy one, it's kind of like anything else. If you only got to buy one, you never have to replace it for any reason. Uh, it's worth paying a little bit more for, and I really think everybody that looks at that's really going to like it. So is what you're telling everybody is you really love your balls out? <laughs> I'm not sure, but that sounds like a John Nordyke statement, but yes, I do. <laughs> well, I see it's a good thing. I do like it. Yeah, I do. It is. It's a, <laughs> it, it is. It is a very quality piece, and if you guys get a chance, if you're looking for something like this, like I say, Catfish Weekly, myself personally, we none of none of us have anything to do with with this company. Um, it is very well made and really a quality piece. Take a look at it if you're looking for something like that. And uh, let me know if you like it. it it's very nice. I, I believe, I ain't positive, but Vince Nadoski, or Nadoski, uh, I believe he might have them available too to, to purchase, so you could possibly get a hold of him as well. Uh, very well. And Vince would be a good person to have those to sell. Uh, you know, he's uh, he has a lot of electronics and stuff, and that would just be something that would fit right in with what he's doing. Uh, but like I say, it's... Uh, I don't know what RAM mounts cost. I don't know what these cost for sure, but I know they're more than a RAM mount. But I, I can't imagine anything ever going wrong with this problem. I just yeah. can't. I believe I believe balls out are just a little more expensive. They're you know they're maybe thirty forty bucks more than a RAM mount of the similar size and everything. So, uh, but from like you're saying, everything I've heard about them, uh, they're absolutely worth the extra money. You get what you pay for a lot of times. That's exactly right. I was so impressed. I wanted to show everybody, and, and now you know what my balls out's all about. <laughs> all right. Um, I've got a few things I'll talk about, and we'll probably wrap the show up. But um, 
last you know I think uh, last week we talked a little bit about Chris Jones and and him and his uh, um, his dog not doing well and and the dog his name, her name was Angel. Um, if you're friends with Chris Jones, you've probably seen the posts on Facebook. Um, you know, it's really hard. You know, it's really hard to look at the pictures. It, it brings a tear to your eye, chokes you up, and um, you know, it's really sad. His, his dog Angel passed away just a day or two ago. Um, you know, so we're we're sorry about that, Chris. We know that a dog is not just a dog; it's a family member and somebody that's very close to you. Uh, that you had out on the boat with you all the time and was part of uh, your adventures outdoors and just made her that much closer to you. Um, you asked me to mention for you, and I will uh, with no problem whatsoever, um, June 28th at the Ore House on Lake of the Ozarks. Uh, you're gonna have a, he's going to have a benefit tournament for Angel. Um, half of the proceeds are going to go to the Odessa Animal Shelter, the dog adoption program, non-for-profit. Um, it's all going to be in honor of Angel. It's a $50 entry fee, and like I said, June 28th at the Ore House on Lake of the Ozarks. Uh, I'm sure if you have any questions, you can get a hold of Chris Jones or send him a friend's request on Facebook, and he'll be able to answer any questions you might have. But uh, it's a good cause, and... and you know, it's something that that you can go out and be fishing, and, and also doing the good cause as well, and and helping the animal shelters out, and and uh, visiting with uh, Chris Jones out there, and have a good time. Well, Chris is 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 as far as I know, the only legal guide on Lake Ozark and Truman, the only one that has the the correct licensing and stuff to be down there doing it. He is really a swell guy. If you ever get a chance to meet him, he's an outstanding person. Uh, him and that dog was extremely close, as I am with mine, and mine's 14. So I'm, you know, I'm looking uh, towards that happening one of these days. But uh, Chris was with that dog nearly every day. He was on that water, uh, and and uh, him doing this tournament and that money proceeds being going to this animal shelter is is so worthwhile that. Um, uh, if you're in the area, uh, go down there and jump on board with it. And, and Chris is, like I say, he's a um, uh, county police officer, I believe, uh, sergeant. Uh, he 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 does things for the reasons that we're all proud to know him. And uh, you know, this is just a feather in, in in his cap to do something to give back to the the years of companionship he had with. With her and and uh, I think it's a worthwhile cause. Yep. Um. One of the other things I was going to talk about, uh, I I went to uh, the uh, Bend Area Care Tournament out of Mason, West Virginia this weekend. Um, I went down and I stayed with Denise and Brian, uh, the the same couple that I fished with on the. January Winter on Wheelers tournament. Um, like I said, they they fished with me once, and believe it or not, they decided to do it again. I don't know if there's something wrong with them, or you know, they just don't know any better or what it is. But they had me down again. We had a great time. We fished uh, we fished downriver quite a quite a little ways. Um, I got my new personal best. As a matter of fact, I'll even show you guys. My personal best flathead is not very big. It's a 25-pounder, but I got it there. 
And here, I'll put it up here. You guys can see that. That's uh, the fish that I caught down there. It was the first first fish we caught of the day, I think. And here, here we are. There's me and Denise in the boat. Oh. And me and Brian in the boat as well. Um, but, yeah, we got down there. We caught three fish. It was a five-fish limit. Um, there's a few things that I, I, I thought they, they had a great tournament down there. There's a few things that I'd like to see them do, you know, just being from the many tournaments that I've been to. Um, I kind of would have liked to see them do a live well check. They had a lot of staff members there. I think somebody could have uh, opened the live wells and, and just been there to check them out before they got put in and everything. Um, possibly uh, for the weigh-in, having some buckets or something, not the bags. But for the most part, um, you know, it was, their benefit is for uh, helping get uh, the underprivileged kids Christmas presents, and they said that a, a, a good majority of the money that they get for that program comes from this tournament. Um, there's, there was 70 boats showed up for this tournament. Uh, I think that me, Denise, and Brian got around 13th place, give or take. Um, you know, the reason being, and I'm going to tell you guys right now, Justin Connor and Tabitha, they were in my spot. They were right in my spot. I seen them. I was like, what, what is up? What is going on? They had 89 pounds fishing in my spots. All of them. Every, every spot I went to that was mine, they were there. And it just I was just like, this is unbelievable. This is just absolutely uncalled for. <laughs> and they got second place. Congrats to them. Um, first place had 131 pounds in this tournament. Uh, there was... There was a good gap. I, I believe that the to me it almost felt as if the spawn had, had started and there was some slacking fish that that were caught. You know there was fish here and there. Um, but from what I heard that, that you know the week before same area, lots of lots of good fish were caught. And, and to me it feels like that it's right at that beginning area of spawn or something. And and the fishing slowed down quite a bit for this tournament, which was still good fishing. I seen. I think big fish was only like a 34, somewhere around that area, um, you know, and that, we had about 35 pounds total with our three fish, and, uh, you know, I, I would have to say that for the longest time, I told people, and I brought a ton of live bluegill, because in our stretch of the Ohio River, I have never caught a flathead on cut bait. I, I thought it was a myth that you could even do that. And I threw a bait out there. I threw a couple pieces of uh, skipjack out. And no sooner than I got done telling them that, you know, I was like, I threw two poles out with live bluegills and one pole out with uh, um, cut skipjack. And I'm like, I'm like, you know, I don't catch flatheads on cut bait. I catch them on live bluegills. And no sooner than that, the big old uh, beast of a catfish weekly rod that I have started bending down and I, I caught the first fish which is about six pounds and I, I got it rebaited up and threw it back out there and I was like you know oh, that was on cut bait and and I threw it back out with cut bait again and caught the 25 on the cut bait never caught a fish on my live bluegills so I ended up a little bit later in the day switching out my live gills with some cut, cut, cut skip jack so uh, I've now caught my personal best flathead at 25 pounds and I've caught my first flathead on 
cut bait. So did y'all cool. have did y'all have good current? Um, there was not a ton of current. There, it, it was uh, more wind than anything. It, the day before, the wind was blowing opposite of the river. Uh, the day of the tournament, it turned directions and went right with the river. So it probably would have been a good drift. We never did drift. They, uh, a lot of them don't drift out there. There's a lot of people that anchor up on, on the different holes, and that's what we did. Um, me being with Denise and Brian, where they fished a few of the spots down there before, we kind of went with spots that they've been at and and uh, tried to go with uh, past experience and knowledge there instead of just sort of drifting around. Um, yeah, there's there's plenty of people that say you know they caught way more flatheads on cut bait than live, but it's never been my experience. You know, I've caught way more on live than I have on cut bait. I have to agree with you, but I did a few years ago. We was in a tournament on the Illinois River, and every we caught seven flatheads that night. Every one of them was on cut bait, and uh, I've yet to catch them on cut bait since that day. But it does happen. But I also wanted to say that, you know, at this Bend Area Care Tournament, I, what I thought was really cool is um, they, in the five, you know, first through fifth place, two of the teams had had a young kid on it. I believe one the, the team in first place had a, a little girl on their team, probably 12 years old or so, 11 in that area. Uh, and the team in, I think, fourth or fifth place had... Uh, a young boy on their team in that you know 12 13 area um, and it was real nice to see that there was there was kids out there partaking in the tournament being involved uh, getting to be up on uh, in front of everybody getting a trophy and and being recognized it was pretty cool um, I like seeing that uh, I, there was a couple people that came up to me shook my hand said you know it was nice to meet me they watch a show um, you know, I appreciate that. Like I said, if you guys ever see any of us at a tournament, you know, walk up to us, talk to us a little bit. We're not going to bite. We're not stuck up. None of that stuff. So come say hello. Shoot the bull with us for a little bit. But for the most part, I had a great time. Um, next year, if, if it turns out where it's probably on the same day as the Fishing for Freedom, I had actually planned on going to the Fishing for Freedom. So I'll, I'll be at Fishing for Freedom next year. Uh, I'll need to get it in my phone and, and plan for it a little better. Um, but it's a great tournament, you know. Depending on where you're at and where you feel like driving to, uh, that's two great tournaments that you can go to on that week if that's the same time every every month of the, uh, um, every year. So, one thing, Chris, that I forgot to mention that I want to bring up is, you know, I've often wondered why. They, they put that Fishing for Freedom tournament on the first weekend in June every year. And the reason is Illinois and Missouri both offer a free fishing weekend for anyone that fishes the water in Missouri or Illinois. You do not have to have a license for that weekend. And that is the reason why uh, that tournament is on that weekend every year. Yeah. Um, I think that's all I have for, for tonight. Do you guys have anything else? Um, we've had, uh, we've had a request to talk about, um, hydration while on the water, um, and trying to stay cool in the boat on these hot days. Uh, 
I can get, do a little bit of input on that. Um, speaking from a two-time um, heat exhaustion casualty at Desert Storm, it's uh, no fun. Um, you have got to uh, force hydrate. Even if you don't think you need to be drinking water, you need to get ahead of it. Uh, 8, 9, or 10 in the morning, uh, you need to almost feel bloated uh, from liquids because when it when you when it gets when that temperature gets hot and you're out in that boat and out in the middle of that lake all that reflection is really hot uh, you don't let up quick it's very fast um, you know so and that that's also part of teamwork uh, when you're out in a tournament because you never have enough time in a tournament. Eight hours seems like two hours, um, you know, and it just seems like you don't have enough time to get to the cooler and and, and take time to drink that water. So, it, you know, the teammates need to stay on each other about, hey, hand me a drink. If you drink anything, grab, grab us a drink. Let's drink some water real quick and stay on it. And another thing that I've seen that helps me big time uh, me and Leanne invested in some frog tog chili pad cooling towels. Um, and you put them around your neck, and they will cool the blood going through your artery that goes up to your brain. And it will help cool your blood off and you, as your blood circulating through your body. Um, and it drops your internal temperature down, and it really helps when you're out on the hot lake. Um and that, that's probably one of the best $15 I've ever spent. And I've seen them down around 7 or 8. Um, I think there's different types. Some aren't as big as the others. But, um, you know, that that's a little bit of input that I've got on there. The force hydration is very important. Y'all got anything on that? Yeah. Uh, that, that Another point to that thing, that what it sounds like, it does it block your neck from getting burnt too? Because a lot of times that's where you're getting you're getting sun at so oh yeah it, it covers your neck pretty good it's about the size of a, uh, a regular size hand towel yeah um, yeah and you can dip it in, in your uh, cooler water um, or you can dip it in the lake uh, either way but I like dipping it in the cooler water and um, you know putting it around my neck and it at, at first it's really really cold hard to get used to but um, as it keeps that blood cool going up to your brain and circulating that cooler blood through your body, it really helps uh, your comfort zone while you're out there. The, the other point I would say would be that um, when you're out there, bring water, not soda, not pop. Pop is going to dehydrate you more when, on them hot days than what water will. Um, water, is gonna, water or Gatorade, I think, are going to be your two best bets to have on them really hot days out on a boat. They're going to hydrate you better, make you feel better. Uh, and the only problem, you know, is if you're like me and like what Chuck said, it's actually in a tournament, you got so many things going on in your head that sometimes you just, you don't think about it. You don't even, you don't worry about drinking and next thing you know, you're getting lightheaded or you're not feeling well and, you know, you really got to get yourself into that habit of of taking a, you know, 
at least a few good drinks of water every, you know, 45 minutes to an hour or so and get into that habit. Yeah, if, if, you, if you've noticed that you have not used the bathroom in a while, um, you know, that's part of forced hydration. You want to stay going to the restroom. You want it to be clear. You want to try not to have any color to it. And if you've got, and if it's if it's clear, you know you've got plenty of liquids in you. If it's really dark, um, you, you, it's time to get on it. Start You're not a diabetic, are you? <laughs> Me? No, no. <laughs> I don't remember the last clear pee I had. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, you got you got to stay on it. Drink a lot, and uh, you know I I've been out on tournaments and on days fishing. You know, and at the end of the day, I'm like, "Why? Well, I, I didn't use the I didn't use the restroom one time." Um, you know, and, and that's that's very bad. You know, not not staying on top of it, and uh, you know, st staying hydrated. But the most important thing is to get on it early. Um, don't get over bloated to where you feel sick, but you know, start getting that liquid in you, and uh, you know, if you get ahead of it. And always bring extra. Bring twice as what you think you're going to need because in some situation, if your boat breaks down, um, you know, on, on a tournament day, you know, more or less, uh, you, you'll you'll come up missing. Everybody's like, well, where, where's, where's Hickey? Is so-and-so at? You know, but if you're out um, in a, on a lot of these lakes and rivers, you'll get out of cell service easy, uh, you know, getting in these gorges. Um, and these valleys and stuff, and you won't have a signal. You break down and beat your boat. Um, you know you got to have that liquid with you. One other good good tip I, I like to do sometimes is um, even if you are out of water, or, or even if you're not out of water, uh, grab some chunks of ice from your chest, your ice chest, put it in your mouth, and sit there and uh, cool, you know cool you off a little bit and, and get you some water that way too. So you know if you think you're out of drink, you're not necessarily normally that ice is uh, filtered good water, you know, it's going to be good to good to put in your mouth and, and drink on or chew on or whatever. Yeah, and, you know, it, it's not really good to, uh, you know, d during a tournament or, you know, something like that, but, you know, we, we've actually, um, you know, reeled up in a spot, and before we head to our other spot, whipping the slough or over to a safe place, and, you know, we've actually jumped in the lake for a minute you know, cooled off and got back in the boat and then on your boat ride to your next spot, you, you're, you know, you're really cool and everything. It's it's something you don't want to do when you've got a lot of, uh, you know, people observing you and stuff because it don't look very professional, but a lot of times that can be a lifesaver on these, uh, you know, 90 and 100 degree days uh, that sneak up on some of these tournaments. Yeah. Anything to add to that, Lyle? I think you guys pretty much covered it. I, I will agree that uh, with one of the, the most important statements in that segment, bring extra. Uh, and, we, you know, you was talking about being diabetic. I, I am. I know you are. You know, there's a lot of people that, that not only have that but other issues. And hydration is the key to a lot of things. So water... If you drink tea or whatever, take that too. But make sure you have plenty of water, keep it cold, and, and take plenty. 
Yeah, only do the ice thing if you've got a separate ice and drink cooler and you don't put your bait in with your ice cooler. It'll, it won't be as good, I'm promising you. You're right about this. Well, um, I think we got everything covered for the night. Nobody has anything else? You got a closing statement there, Chuck? Uh, no, I'm good for the night. All right, Lyle. No, the only thing that I have is nothing that is coming up really soon. I probably there's probably a tournament in the area that I should know about, but don't. But the next twisted uh, cat outdoor tournament will be July 11th. It will be a night tournament in Keokuk, Iowa. It'll be seven in the evening to seven in the morning. Uh, make sure you attend the $300. Uh, uh, top placing CR money will be in effect. A uh, $100 entry fee, so come on and get in on the fun. Alright. Um, ICA is going to have uh, our next points tournament at Lake Max and Cucky this Saturday. Um, it's an evening tournament, so I believe it's uh, 7 at night till 7 in the morning. You're going to want to try to, if, if what it looks like right now, there might be some flooded roads up there. Uh, if it's still possible to get there, um, you, you're going to want to leave a little bit early. You're going to want to leave maybe an hour and a half, two hours early, uh, just in case you hit any detours for, for roads that might be flooded or anything like that. Um, we're going to keep uh, our ears out with some of the locals up there. If they're, they're planning on getting a lot of rain this week almost every day. They're getting thunderstorms and getting more and more rain every day leading up to the tournament. If it gets to the point where you're just not going to be able to make it there. Too many roads are too flooded. Um, I guess Thursday or Friday, that's when we'll probably make the call to, to move, move it somewhere else. Um, we've moved about every tournament this year, so we really don't want to do that. Um, the fishing may be tough up there. Uh, the reports that I've read about Lake Max and Cucky is that there's not a quantity of fish. There's a quality of fish up there. There's... Um, you know, it's probably not going to be a huge uh, number of fish weighed in, but the ones that are are going to be pretty good uh, channels and flatheads. Uh, there is fish up there, whether they're in the spawn or not or anything. It uh, doesn't matter to us. That's, uh, everybody's going to be fishing the same conditions and dealing with the same things, and that's one of the reasons why um, the ICA is a, a great trail is that, you know, we don't fish one place and, and or one person or one group of people have a, a distinct advantage for being... You know, that being their local body of water, we go all over the place fishing lakes and rivers and really challenging our skills and, uh, you know, fishing new bodies of water. Uh, that's what a lot of us really enjoy doing. So um, show up. Uh, there's going to be some uh, interesting things at this tournament, so before the tournament. So you might want to show up and bring some extra money. And... Look, look for uh, some of those things for the tournaments coming up. i got more going on, hopefully, for the next year in the ICA. But uh, the, the ICA also has, on the 27th of this month, we have an open out of New Albany, which uh, New Albany is an excellent area to fish. Uh, there's a lot of good fish caught out of that pool. Um, so if you can make it to that. Also, this tournament coming up this weekend... Uh, if you guys seen, I posted the ICA. The membership fee for the rest of this year is only $5. Um, we just want to get some more people out and, and test in the ICA, hopefully maybe fish with us the rest of this year or next year. Uh, so you can show up and the $60 entry fee and memberships are $5. So 
Um, come out and fish with us and have a good time. I believe that's all I have. Um, don't do what Tabitha and Justin did and fish in my spot, you guys. Stay out of it.